Good morning. Let me say a prayer for us. Dear Father, we love you. We trust you. We are incredibly thankful for this morning that you've drawn us near to you. I pray, Father, that through your good word, we would have open hearts to learning and growing and developing the quality of character and soul that helps us live into the men and women you've created us to be. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've recently been reading the book, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. And the underline is underdogs, misfits, and the art of battling giants. What I find so interesting about this book is that the idea, we have a limited um, definition for what actually is an advantage and a disadvantage. We think we know what advantages are. We think we know what disadvantages are. And his point is, we usually get these ideas mixed up. So he uses David and Goliath from the Old Testament, and David was the underdog when he showed up on the battlefield to fight a giant seasoned warrior. It seemed like Goliath had the advantage in size and strength and experience, but as we know when we read it, David is the one who walked away victorious. And what he really points out is David didn't fight the conventional way. He didn't put on Saul's armor and go toe-to-toe the way Goliath was expecting him. He used his own strength, his own rules. He used his own advantage, and he was able to take down a giant. And Gladwell says you can make a virtue out of necessity, that giants have weaknesses, and even the underdog can accomplish the unexpected. He quotes this idea, says we're not all of us we are all of us not only liable of feared but we are afraid of being afraid the conquering of that fear produces exhilaration and the contrast between precious apprehension and the present relief and security promotes a self-confidence that is the very father and mother of courage says courage is not something you already have that makes you brave when the tough times start Courage is what you earn when you've been through the tough times and you discover the tough times aren't so tough after all. And he calls this acquired courage, that there are difficulties we can face in life, and it turns out they help us develop other skills that can prove to be advantages for our life. Or even the unexpected freedom that comes from literally having nothing left to use, lose, gives you a whole new relationship to the rules and what you can do and what you can try. The very things in life that have been difficult, that we've been labeling as disadvantages, may be the very places that we can use for our own advantage. Because where we've had to learn differently or adapt differently or fight differently or think differently gives us a new set of tools, a new set of courage, a new freedom that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And it's so interesting when we think about life this way because many of the things that we've had to deal with our whole lives, many of the problems or the struggles that we've worked our way through may be the exact place that we can acquire courage, that we can use as an advantage to live the very life that we most want to live. What if the very fact that we had to overcome something, we had to work through something hard, like most of the time when something is hard, we struggle with why isn't this hard for everybody else, right? Like why am I the only one who has to struggle with this? But what if the fact that we did uh, becomes the very place that are necessary for us to see life different and to become who we want or what we want to accomplish in life? 
And as we've been studying this whole idea of health and recovery and living healthy, fully engaged lives emotionally, spiritually, physically, I want to tie this all into one big last idea for us together. We've walked through the 12 steps. We started with the idea that we are powerless to do any of this on our own. We need God, right? I can't, God can, I think I'll let God. And we looked into the shadows and we faced the secret and the shames and named the problems, the addiction, the lies, the darkness. No more hiding. We trusted God for help and healing and started looking out around us how our actions have made an impact on others and worked to make amends. We connected with God to help move forward with prayer and meditation, which leads us to the last step today, which is step 12. It says, we, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Now, it's interesting because as we've said, all of these steps build on each other. And as they tie into the next and the next, you're building on the work that you've already done. So when we get to the end, the goal of health isn't this like peak of a mountain summit that you reach in your life and then you're done, right? Like you got to the summit, you climbed the mountain, you did all the hard work to get there, and then you're done. Health isn't a destination. It's not a place that you reach. It's a whole different way of processing and doing life. It's a new way to practice uh, every single day for who you are and what you do next. And it's no longer just about you. It's the journey that you're on and looking for ways to help others as they are doing the work to become healthy and hopeful people as well. Now, what's interesting is because life isn't this just huge mountain that you climb, right? And you get to the top and then everything's easy breezy from there. There's going to be a new problem to face, a new challenge to overcome, a new stress or fear that will creep in and want to derail us from our healthy path. So we need the strength, encouragement, and help to continue on this healthy path. And I want to remind us what Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul's kind of making two big ideas that he wants us to see here. The first is, we've seen runners, we've seen athletes compete, and they run, and if you've watched the Olympics or you've been to a race, the mark goes off, everybody takes off, they all run the lap, they all run the race, but only one person wins. And the runners, the athletes, they put all this time and energy into training and exercising and discipline their body so they can win, so they can get the prize, the medal, the um, statue at the end. They run, they work so they can win. They exercise self-control so that they can manage their life in the kind of way that sets them up for success. And Paul says they do it for the honor of winning, for being the best in their field, for all the accolades that come with the prizes and the winning. And then he turns this analogy into our life. Everybody is running the race of life, but not everybody wins. Everybody's doing life actively or passively. We're here, life is happening, whether we are engaged in it or not. 
But he says not everybody's doing life in the kind of way that they're succeeding, that they love life and they can't wait to get out of bed and for the next day to happen so they can jump in and do what needs to be done next. So in this race of life analogy, Paul's calling us to live life, to run in the kind of way that we can win. And for that to happen requires self-control, managing our lives in the kind of way that we win. But we have to say, what does that look like? So there's two different approaches that we can look at for life. One is you just coast through life. Day after day, you kind of remember the song, wasting your way through days not really putting any energy in, just kind of going through the motions and you show up and you're there, but you're not really overly concerned with much. You clock in your hours, you count down until the end of the day, and then you're done, and you just do it again and again and again. You're not really trying anything new or not really excited about anything. You go through the motions. Life is survival, one moment to the next. Or it's just forgetting. It is a constant forgetting the bad and the hard and the past and numbing our way through the trauma and the regrets. That is an approach to life. You can just passively let life happen day after day. Get comfortable, stay where you are, get through the rest, just survive with as little pain or as little discomfort as possible. But Paul says there's a second approach. We could approach life very, very different. Instead of life happening to us, we take control of our lives because we were created for more. We weren't created just to aimlessly drift through day after day and settle in and get comfortable and be okay with mediocrity. No matter who we are or where we are or what we've been through, every single one of us has the potential to live a meaningful and productive life. Instead of life just happening to us without any input, we take control and we live our lives on purpose. We figure out how to do life in a way that is a challenge and an adventure and it calls out different in us and we break away from just mediocrity to work our way towards winning the race. We don't just float through whatever happens next. We're intentional about who we are and what we do and how we do it. The choices we make, the futures we are creating. We have a way of doing life that fully engages in the present right where we are right now. This life, this moment that God has given us, not just trying to survive enough to get to the end, but thriving and growing and fully living with joy and expectation. But to do that requires intention and purpose and self-control. It requires making choices every single day, not just based on what's easiest, not just based on what we can get away with, but instead, what's going to help us accomplish the very most out of this day, this time, in this life. It's refusing to go back to who we used to be. It's not giving into the old habits that want to creep up or the behaviors that used to feel good, but staying on this new healthy path forward. See, we can't do life well when something else is in control of us. We can't be healthy if we're always falling back into old, hurtful ways of doing things. So for that to happen, we have to say no to some things so we can say yes to others. We have to deny ourselves in certain areas so we can go all in for the others. And Paul says, look, athletes are willing to do this. They do all this work, all this effort, all this management of their time and their energy for a wreath that withers and fades away. 
shouldn't we be willing to make an investment to do better at our life for something that is so much more valuable, our eternal soul? The soul that we are preparing right now to take with us into the rest of eternity, shouldn't we do the work to make it healthy and vibrant and thriving? Because Christ came in and he gave his life for us, for you and for me, that we might have a hope, that we might have a future, that whatever was broken could be healed, that whatever was hurting could be restored, that whatever felt damaged beyond repair, he could piece back together and create something valuable and worthwhile out of it. Christ says that your life matters. It's not a waste. It has value and purpose. Christ gave his life because he so believed in you and your future, not just for today, but all the days to come. And Paul's challenging us, stop settling. Isn't it worth trying? Isn't it worth going all in to move forward in new, healthy, right ways? You're the son of an awesome God, and he says you matter. You're the daughter of a mighty king, and he's never given up on you. And he wants us to not give up on our futures either. Paul says all of these athletes, they work for winning a perishable prize, but we can do the work and exert the effort to add quality, value, nobility to the internal souls that Christ has given us. And then he makes this second point. How do we do this? How do we live on purpose, right? It sounds great. It sounds amazing. It sounds awesome. But how do we do that day after day after day? Look at verse 26. It says, so I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Because look, we aren't running without a goal. We have a destination. We've determined who we want to be, and then we run full force in that direction. We've decided on purpose who we are, and then we give all that we can for that greater reward, the greater honor. We're doing life to the capacity that God has given us to actually live. The goal is God's given me potential, not just who I was, but who I could possibly be. And we all have this divine potential in different areas in our life. And we got to figure out what it is and learn how to grow more and more and more into it. It's not a finishing place. It's not a one and done. It's a lifetime of discovery and learning and growth. But for any of that potential to happen, that learning to go into play, we have to have our life under control. We have to have the discipline of self that allows us to live on purpose. We have to have the inner commitment of heart that says, God created me to be more, to live with courage and faith and kindness and compassion. It's no longer just about me, but who I am living for. And we hold ourselves accountable to a new standard, a new standard for life that we've been created for in and through Christ Jesus. But life needs discipline. Because as we all know, anytime you've ever tried to stop doing something and doing something else, it's easy to drift back. We always want to drift back to what's easiest and most comfortable. But the best lives waiting to be lived require the work to get it done. And it starts with recognizing our biggest enemy that we face to really doing this well 
is ourselves, right? We get in our own head and we make excuses. We make things okay. We reason ourselves out of why we said it was important in the first place. Do you ever make a decision when the moment felt great and then like a couple weeks later, you're like, that was a, why did I say I would do that? I don't want to do it, right? It felt good in the moment, but now we're easily talking ourselves out of it. We face our own selves, those voices inside of us that are mean and critical and harsh. They say we're not good enough, smart enough, never going to be enough. Our own mind reminds us, I know what you did. I know who you hurt. And we can't get past the shame and the guilt or that fear of not being enough or the pain of the past. But Paul says, look, I'm not disciplining myself. I'm not swinging at empty threats. I'm not boxing at things that don't hit back. I have my own self to contend with because that voice doesn't get the final say. That voice needs to be reminded that it's not in charge. It needs pushed back and put in place and checked every once in a while. That voice needs to hear it's not true. And the only way for that to come into place is for us to hear what is right, what is good, what is true. Not letting ourselves off the hook. No excuses, no quitting. We don't give up. We put the work in, the effort and the training in because, look, Christ already did the work to save us. That's not the work that needs to be done. The hardest work that needed to be accomplished, Christ did on our behalf. But growing into the potential he's given us, the future, the abilities that we have, living our very best life with the time and the space that we have, that's where our energy goes. That's where our attention goes. It's not easy, but it's valuable and worth it. Nobody stumbles into just living their best life. You train yourself for it. You grow into it. You work with it. And the truth is, it's nobody else's responsibility but mine. I'm not racing me versus anybody else. I'm racing me versus me. <laughs> it's not a comparison of my messy middle to somebody else's perfect end. It's me saying, did I grow more this year than I did last year? Did I develop more of the quality of soul that Christ has given me this year than I had last? Am I controlling my life, managing myself, doing the work to make healthy, better choices day after day? And Paul's description, like he doesn't miss words, says, I literally beat my own self into submission to gain control. Okay, I'm not saying beat yourself up. Please don't do that. But really, you're so in charge of your life, you're responsible. How we act, the choices we make, those are up to us. We can't blame them on anybody. And if we don't like where we are, then what we do, what we say, the choices we make, those are the things that we change to affect a different future. How do we become more of who God said we could be? We have control of that right now. I love Craig Rochelle, his leadership podcast. Um, he says, if you really want to be great in leadership in life, you have to have the habits that will make you great. And his point is, is that the best leaders do consistently what others do occasionally, right? Like, I can occasionally do healthy things, but I'm not going to be a fully healthy person if I don't regularly and consistently do them. So he gives these eight habits of great leaders. And he says, not every person does all of these things, but you'll never find anybody who's living a great, intentional, on-purpose life who does none of these things. So I'm going to share these eight ideas with you, and I think they're really interesting for us to just kind of think about. 
His first one is this. It's called the habit of no snooze. How many times do you hit snooze in the morning when your alarm clock goes off? It kind of sets the tone for the day, right? Like, I just want more time to sleep or more, like I don't get out of bed on purpose. I'm like, oh, I'm sluggish and I'm dragging through. He says, I'm the kind of person who wakes up when I intend to and I am prepped to tackle the day. It's a saying from the second it's time to wake up, on purpose, we have a plan for getting out of bed and not snoozing through the morning. It says, to the habit of pre- pre-deciding, I plan ahead for things that matter the most, and my real priorities dictate my schedule and my choices. Now, it's super easy. This is two different ways of doing your day, right? The day is going to happen, and there's a hundred choices that have to be made. You have so many things going on and places to be and things to accomplish. And so instead of just letting whatever comes drift and goes, you prepare ahead of time. You pre-decide as many things as you can so that you're ready to be prepared for the day with intention, your schedule, your choices. And it's really rooted in value-based actions. I know what matters the most. And when I'm focusing on what matters the most, all of my choices flow from there. The third one, he says, is the habit of doing the hard right. Doing the right thing isn't always easy. A lot of times it's really, really hard. And the easy choice, it's easy, but it's not going to get us where we want to be. So he says, I solve problems the right way, even if it's more difficult right now. I'm happy to endure a little pain to create a stronger, better solution. See, here's the hard thing about habits. Bad habits feel good right now, right? Eating the wrong thing, it's amazing, and it tastes wonderful, and it's great. Okay, but the payoff for the bad habits is all in the future. The health and what's affected and all of the things, those don't come to later. Good habits, they hurt right now, right? I don't do the exercise. I know some people have the endorphins, and they're like, that was amazing. I don't. I hate it. I don't do the exercise and feel good right now. The payoff is in the future with a healthy life from having the right habits. And this is where doing the hard right requires the work. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's the right thing right now. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. The payoff comes in the future. He says, fourth, the habit of you first leadership. This is a, um, a matter of heart and pride. Is it always about me or am I putting other people first? Am I looking around at other people and loving and being humble and kind and helpful and gracious? He says, I will start every interaction with the other person in mind. There is a powerful habit of you first, of putting other people first. Not to the detriment of you, but to the healthy, I don't have to be selfishly focused on myself all the time. Fifth, he says, the habit of touching the line. This is such a sports metaphor, so I'm going to try to do my best. You know how you have to like run drills and you got to touch the line and go back and then touch the line again? The point is, you get tired and you don't want to go back and do it again. And he says, I don't stop when I'm tired. I stop when I'm done. And this is a powerful value to have in our life. A lot of times our expending point is I'm tired and I don't want to do anymore rather than I'm finished and the work is complete. He said, I don't cut quarters. I value integrity and progress too much to cheat on what matters most. I finish what I start. Habit six, the habit of one more rep, right? This is, I can do just a little bit more. 
I can do a little bit extra. I cannot just give that like required amount, but I could do that extra 10%, that extra 1%, 5%, whatever it is, because it'll make all the difference in the world. I was reading this study about uh, walking, because I try to walk every day, and typically they say walking a half hour is amazing, it's great, there's all these health benefits of it, but then they went on to say if you walk 45 minutes, that 15 extra minutes has more value than the full 30 minutes. But you don't get that value without putting in the 30 minutes first. And so doing that extra 15 minutes when you're done and you don't want to, the payoff is valuable. That is one more, a little bit extra, a little bit more. It says, I exceed expectations, bring solutions, go further than necessary. I'm willing to do one more rep because leaders do better than normal. Habit seven, he says, the habit of fueling the fire. I stay passionate over time because I'm actively and intentionally encouraging myself. I feel fire in my spirit about my mission, my family, and my goals. This is so powerful. He says it's not about external motivation. Motivation means something outside has to motivate me to get the work done, right? I got to be fueled up by something else. I'm waiting for something else to get me excited. He said instead, it's internal inspiration. When I know what matters the most, when I know why I'm doing it, when I know what my mission is, my family, my goals, what I'm trying to accomplish, I have the internal inspiration to fuel myself up to get done what needs to get done. And then last he says, the habit of showing back up. He says, this is when I commit, I don't quit, I'm a finisher. It's the idea of perseverance and grit, that strength of character that refuses to quit. See, any one of these habits has so much potential for strength and good in our life. The question is, which one do we need to work on? Which one do we need to challenge ourselves and say, man, I could do better at that? Or I'm going to ask two different ways than I normally ask. Which one did you hear and your stomach dropped because you're like, oh, yeah, not even close on that one, <laughs> right? Like you heard it, you're like, ooh, cringe, not that one. Or the people who are around you on the other side of you which one would they say that you most needed to work on? What if we picked a few of these habits and incorporated them into our life so that we managed ourselves with self-control and discipline to accomplish more than we would have ever accomplished on our life? So let me give us two big takeaways from all of this. One, it's time to start doing life with purpose. We can't go back. We can't change the past. We can't change anything that's gone before. But where we are right now, we can make decisions to be effective and intentional with our future and our mission and our purpose. No more excuses. No more lies. No more hiding. No more putting it off for one day or one time or eventually. Your life matters. The very best life that you can live, it's waiting to be lived. And nobody could live it better than you. Nobody was more uniquely designed to live your life than you. Who do you want to be? What's your purpose? It's hard to run on purpose if you don't know where you're heading, if you don't know why it matters. If we don't know what we want out of life, it's hard to stay on course because there's so many things to get distracted by. It's hard to know if we're on the right track. It's hard to know if we're really going the right way. The better we know who we are, the better we are able to manage our life and to stick with it consistently over time. So it starts with figuring out who am I? 
What, what matters the most, right? We can, it's so easy to get lost in self-definition by what we do. This is what I do, so it must be who I am. But you're more than what you do. It's your heart and your energy and your excitement and your joy and your giftedness and your strength. Those all come together to be who you are. So here's what you got to ask yourself. What do I really want? Why do I want it? And how do I get it done? See, when you sit down and think about your life, where you are and where you want to be and who you are and what really gets you excited the most, what do you really want out of this one life? Don't say happy and successful because everybody wants to be happy and successful. Nobody says, I don't want to be happy. Those aren't goals. Those are payoffs for heading in the right direction. Those are easy. What's the real down to the core of your bone? Who you are? What do you want out of this life? And why do you want it? If you really, really want to head in that direction, how do you get there? How do you make it happen? And you chunk it out into pieces and you look for support for how to make it happen. So if getting healthy and clean is really what you want, how do you get there? Who helps you? What's the payoff? of you being a healthy person emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Maybe you have a job that you're working for. What training do you need? What people do you need helping you? H how are the skills that you need to develop to make that happen? Maybe you want to do better with your family. What do you need to learn? What do you need to work on in yourself? What do you need to change in your schedule so that you have time to be present and available? Maybe you have some big lofty goal about something you want to accomplish or a skill that you want to learn. Chunk it out in steps. Why do you want it? How do you get it done? And then you go in that direction to effectively make it happen. All of us, somewhere in our goals, should be how do I help somebody else? Everything that got me where I am today, everything I've learned, everything I've developed, everything I've fought my way through tooth and nail might be the exact place somebody else is struggling and God could intentionally use us to help them right where they are. So it's time to live life on purpose and it's time to put in the practice. Nobody accomplished anything great without putting the work in. Nobody ever did anything that was meaningful and worthwhile without putting the time in. It's our responsibility, and the only way to accomplish any of these goals or get anything healthy or worthwhile done is to put the time and work in. We have to say, this is what I want. This is what matters most. This is who God has created to me to be, and it's my responsibility to accomplish it. It's my responsibility to manage my life and get it under control in the kind of way that I can be healthy and successful and do well. And it's not me versus anybody else. It's me versus me. If anything in our life is going to change, I have to change first. If anything about my future is going to be different, it starts with me saying, this is who I am. This is who God created me to be, and this is what I want more than anything else. Do you know that about yourself? Have you ever spent time thinking or planning or working through to understand yourself better? Because make no mistake, God created you for this life right here, right now, right where you are. You have all that you need to win. You have all that you need to succeed. And the only thing standing in the way of where you are and where you want to be is you. 
and you can work on you. Your choices, your habits, your behavior, who you are, you can work on all of these things because God's given you potential. He's given you strength. He's given you gifts. Even the disadvantages that you've had to work through and face may be the very place that you can grow and succeed. Christ is with you. He's on your side. He loves you. He's for you. And all the strength you need, all the help is there with him. We have a spirit at work, and he's advocating for us, encouraging us, building us up to run this race of life well. Don't run somebody else's race. Don't let your race get lost in the mess and the chaos of life. You have a race to, writ, to run and a race to win. What if right now God is actively looking throughout the earth for men and women that he can bless, that he can encourage and he can strengthen? What if he's actively looking right now to do his best work through people that he wants to get something awesome done in the future? What if right now God wants to bless us? What if we just said, God, help I want to run this life well, to give all that I have, to no going back, but living healthy, directed into the future that you've created us for. Would we be open to God's blessing and directive to running with him into the future that he's created us for? Dear Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray that we would have open hearts, open minds, open spirits to your direction. I pray, Father, that you would give us the strength, the courage, the grit, the mental toughness we need to run and do this life well. I pray that we would stop giving in to excuses and we would stop hiding behind um, anything that we've hid behind in the past, Father, and we would just take a step forward with you today. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.